he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Left wing side, Giordano, shot in traffic, scores! And how that got through, I don't know. Far side, Hall with a shot in a goalie score! Tavares! Backdoor Johnny! Arner frees it up for bunting, back at the side of the goal, coming in front of the net, a shot, they score! There you are, Mr. Ralph! You just put the B on these guys, nicely done. What is the B? A pass in front of the goal and back away, they score! It's either going to be Matthews or Bunting, but it looks like Austin Matthews is claiming credit. And so Matthews ends a bit of a drought. Marner across the line, dropping, getting it back, looking for Matthews who scores! Another brilliant pass by the magician, and Austin Matthews has a pair, and the Leafs are running away with this one. All right, everyone, some tidy work this weekend from the Toronto Maple Leafs. An overtime win with a beautiful William Nylander goal on Friday night. They followed it up with a stomp of the Seattle Kraken. Little Mark Giordano revenge game in Seattle. Gets the goal, gets the all-time blocks record in in the NHL. So a great night for him. and a a tribute video as well. Yeah. 55 games gets a tribute video. I know. I, where do you sit there? It's the C uh, that kind of moves the needle. Yeah, like, uh, really, I don't care. If you want to give a tribute video no. to any player who plays the organization, sure. I suppose he was a former captain. It's just funny. Like, the guy First played 55. ever. <laughs> how do you have Franchise even, like, history. I get that, but, like, how do you even have <laughs> enough, enough video clips to make a montage of the guy? He was there for a blink of an eye. But, uh, no, it was, it was definitely a great game for, for Gio. And, I mean, he's the one who really got it going, too. Like, that first five minutes of the game – was a little lackluster out of out of Toronto. So um, him getting that goal kind of settled things. And then obviously in the second period, got the shot block and uh, broke his, his former teammate's record and, and became the you know the shot block champion of, of all time since they've been recording the stats at the very least. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Gio. Pretty solid game out of him. Yeah, Mike Johnson will join us in the next couple minutes, as he does on Mondays, to, to break down the weekend's action. Joe Bowen a little bit later on the show. Quite the call. Uh, we just heard his montage coming in. We'll have to ask him how the O'Reilly-Riley situation is going up <laughs> in the play-by-play booth. But Leafs Nation wasn't the most um, exciting destination in the NHL over the weekend because a lot of trade activity. It felt like the trade deadline was last night at midnight. There was so much happening. I know. Over the weekend, the big one over the weekend, Meyer officially goes to the Devils, and, and that one has felt like it was in the woodwork forever, and it was happening forever, and even yesterday it felt like it was official, officially announced and then revoked as, as the two teams <laughs> still hammered away on details and eventually did go through, and, and uh, like it was a monster deal, AB. Once the details came out, you could definitely tell why it took those two GMs so long to to nail down exactly what that one was going to look like. Yeah, what do we got? I think uh, nine players, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players, and then an additional four draft picks, one of which being conditional upon uh, New Jersey making the conference finals. So the Sharks could net up to two first-round picks um, for Timo Meyer, which isn't bad. I guess we look at it like Zetterlund's a decent prospect. He's about 23 years old. He's like a middle six type guy. Makmadulin 
We'll see what he turns into, but he's probably an NHL body. But good for the Devils. They actually didn't have to give up any of their top-tier prospects, which I think is, is definitely a win for a team that wants to build something for the future. And if they can get Timo Meyer signed, look, he's an RFA, so they've got his rights for this year and next. So they got two kicks at the can with Timo Meyer. I know that there's the qualifying offer, which is probably why it took them, uh, you know, they weren't able to get as big of a return as maybe the Sharks had hoped. But ultimately, this is a massive pickup for the New Jersey Devils. Like, they, they're equipped to take on the, the rest of the teams in that division now. Like, Carolina's solid team. The Rangers are a great team, might even get better. There's a whole bunch of reports on Patrick Kane. But the Devils made sure that they were equipped to compete in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs batting team of Meyer. Yeah, what else happened over the, re- uh, over the weekend? Nieder Iyer went to the... Winnipeg Jets, that was another mm-hmm. potential destination for, for Meyer that didn't end up panning out. Kane to the New York Rangers, not yet official, but seems to just be in the works with each passing day and each each passing moment that the Rangers could send someone up or send someone down or, or put someone well, on waivers or continue to do whatever little dance they're doing with the cap. So it was funny, and, and Puckpedia kind of is somewhat answering some of my questions. But Ke'Andre Miller, there was that situation last night. If if you guys didn't uh, didn't see, he had a I don't know if it was accident on purpose, whatever it may be. But he ended up spitting in Drew Doughty's face. He got a match penalty, and and there's yeah. expectation that he'll be suspended for it. And I was curious how much could that potentially factor in here into them and. and all the cap gymnastics that they're going through. I mean, they, they sent Braden Schneider down on waivers. They trade away off to get his cap off the books. They sent Jake LeCision down to the minors. Like, there's so much that they're already doing. And now they have a, a player on their roster who might end up getting suspended. And, and I was curious to see how that could impact this whole trade. And it sounds like they still can get Evander Kane, but it makes, or uh, uh, Patrick Kane, but it makes things. A lot more difficult. There's a, a whole thread on Puckpedia if anyone wants to go check out their Twitter account to find out exactly what happens. But uh, yeah, not 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 the you know best situation for the Rangers to be in when they're looking to make one more big ad. But I still do anticipate Patty Kane being uh, being a Ranger by Friday. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Have you pulled anything? Puckpedia just t- tweeted that thread as we were coming on the air. Did you? I, I, I'm not going to try. It's still and, possible. And like, it. Okay. Yeah. It's it's possible that they can make. There's there's like four different options that could happen of whether or not of guys they could send down to the minors, bring back up. They could play a man short. They could trade for Kane as early as Wednesday, and they could wait as late as Friday, depending on which option they want to go with. But there still is, even if he gets suspended, options for them to still have the necessary cap space to swing a deal with Patrick Kane, which, good, because I wasn't sure how much that suspension would impact things. I knew it would impact it, but I didn't know how much, and it sounds as though not enough to negate this trade, which did seem inevitable uh, up until that moment, but according to what I'm reading here on Puckpedia, it sounds like that trade still could go through. It's just a lot more gymnastics and cap maneuvering now for the New York Rangers. Okay, so Miller situation, Kane situation, Barbashev went to Vegas. There was a goalie goal in Boston, as if things can't get any better for them. And I think that's the full weekend roundup, and we'll get into all of that more. But for now, let's bring in our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson. Uh, MJ, we were just kind of going through the itinerary of all the many things that happened around the NHL this weekend. Do you want to just, like, pick your pick your highlight of the weekend and, and give us your thoughts on it to start? 
how much time do we have, guys? I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> I know. Like, you're trying to wrap your head around, trying to remember all the things that happened. You're like, all right, Barbashev, he got traded. Dadnoff for Guryanov, that happened, didn't it? Right, like it's just yep. a lot of different things. I mean, obviously the Meyer trade stands out because it was so longly rumored to be Jersey. It made sense on so many reasons. Um, you, you know, you can never really properly evaluate a deal until you know. But on first blush, I think it makes sense for Jersey on the ice. It makes sense for how they want to build in the future, for the size, for the skill, for all the obvious reasons. The fact that they were able to make the deal without giving up any one of Holt or Nemitz or Luke Hughes or Dawson Mercer, kind of like the four top young guys, um, I think it's a pretty good job by Tom Fitzgerald. Uh, now, Mike Greer got a whole bunch of players in return, and maybe those players turned into pretty good ones. But um, I think the fact they were able to maintain control of all their top young guys is a pretty good win for them while also getting a guy they probably will sign sooner rather than later. And that makes, you know, you think about the East guys. You talk about the Leafs, of course, what they've done, how good they are. Tampa, Jeannot, um A.B. <laughs> did, did I see that? One, oh two, three, gosh. four, five picks and a prospect for Tanner Jeannot? It's amazing now. Listen, guys, like, so there's, there's two parts of the story. The Tampa Bay Lightning deserve all the credit and respect for having great success. They hit on Coleman, on Goudreau, on Hagel, on Paul, all of which we got, man, is that a bit of an overpay? And they've all turned out to be really good players. Doesn't mean they're infallible. Doesn't mean you can't question, hmm, that seems like a lot. We'll see how it plays out. The fact that he makes so little money is part of what makes him so attractive. But five picks, including a first for Tanner Jeannot, who has five goals this year. I know he had 24 last year. He'll be physical. He will fight. He'll be hard to play against. But that seems like a massive payment for Tampa. But you just think about Tampa, Toronto, Boston, obviously, what they've done, Orlov and Cathaway. You think about how good Carolina is, and they're still sitting on money, will likely get better. Rangers, Devils, like those top 16s are so good in the East, and two will be done in the first round at least. It's just wild to think that a Ranger or Devils or Tampa or Toronto will be done at the first round. It's, it's actually insane. Like the Tanner Janot deal, you know what I'm kind of actually, I'm, I'm starting to, uh, it's not that I, I, I can't ever question Tampa Bay Lightning because they've done this before and it's worked mm-hmm. out. It's almost like Masai Ujiri here in Toronto. It's like they've built that trust within the fan base mm-hmm. where it's okay, it's worked out. But then again, like now I'm kind of thinking about it, you know, Bill Belichick seemed to never make the wrong decision until eventually he started making some wrong decisions. And, you know, the Patriots now are no longer the dynasty that they were. Not to say that this isn't going to work out, but they'd made that move to swing Brandon Hagel last year. They did go to the Cup Final, which obviously is outstanding, but they didn't win the Stanley Cup. And then this year, again, made this big trade, unloaded all these picks. In order for it to be worth it, Johnny, I mean, do they have to win the ultimate prize at the end for this not to get criticized? I don't think, I think that's a pretty high standard, right? Like you win the cup or else it's a bad deal. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a swing with the, with the, with your team and the spot that it's in and trying to give yourself the best chance to win again. So if they win a round or two or three and lose in the conference final or the final, um, like, I don't know if you could say that's a bad deal. Like they're just, they're recognizing the inherent future risk. It's not like the Tampa Bay, like don't understand. Like they have what a sixth and a seventh round pick this year. That's it. They don't have anything in the first yeah. five rounds. But they, they, they understand that, and they're willing to accept that future downside for the potential uh, upside of the present. So I, don't, I think that's a bit of a uh, too high of a standard to, to hold it to. I mean, I mean, you could disagree with the philosophy, disagree with the return that they're making right now, because that, that's the, the information they have in front of them. It, it, to me, it's, like, I, I guess my, my question is, like, 
Like, is there no way that you could have gotten that guy for less? Like, it seems yeah, like, who are you know. bidding for? Like, is that what it was going to cost to get him? More than it cost to get Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Ochari. I mean, literally, more than it cost to get those guys. So, um, yeah, it, it is surprising, but, you know, they deserve the respect that they've earned and, and, and the confidence that they have good decision-making and, and talent pro scouts that would see how he fits. But, um, you know, nobody's infallible, right? Like, you know, everybody, no matter how good they've been, you know, can be questioned as far as their uh, their decision making. Johnny, would you be on board for Toronto to be that aggressive through the rest of the week and give up, you know, future assets and pretty much unload the cupboard in their picks if they can swing a deal like that to get a, a missing piece, considering how everyone else in the East just got that much better in the last week? Um. Yeah, probably. Probably. I say it with a sigh because it's just such a massive commitment. Um, and, you know, the lead doesn't stop at the end of this year. You have to go forward next year and years and years and beyond. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I just wonder, like, you know, if the Leafs are wondering if they need a depth forward. I wonder if Matthew Nyes is, is a guy that they're thinking of, like, you know, given the cost to require a depth forward, maybe it's just better to get Matthew Nyes and play him for, like, 10 games and see if he could be that guy uh, up front. And, and I think the one thing that being patient might be, A.B., is that we, we're talking about all these deals going down. For the most part, they're all the big forwards. All the defense and all the depth guys that are kind of floating around out there that might be available, not as many of those guys have changed teams. So I wonder if you're shopping for depth defense. Does that price actually go down because there's more guys left on the market and more teams that might not be able to go get them because they've sort of spent their money and their draft capital to go get uh, to get their forwards. I wonder if the Leafs are looking for a depth defensive. Like the price on Gabrikov apparently was a first and a third. He's not getting a first and a third anymore, right? Uh, like I wonder if those kind of options might present themselves later on this week. Yeah. So, so um, we're with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, right now. So is Carolina on the clock now, Johnny, with all the moves that mm-hmm. were made in the East over the weekend? They are. They are. Now, the thing about them is that it feels like much like Boston. They're good enough to go all the way without doing anything. Um, but what's way crazy about them is that they're this good, and they have all the cap space for Max Pacioretty. Like they, they, they're the rarest of teams, like a top-level team with $8 million in cap space. It's, it's unheard of. So, um, you know, I imagine they would have been sniffing around Kane, would have been sniffing around Meyer. I think they wanted Meyer only with an extension, and that wasn't going to be able to happen. So, um, yeah, I think that they are on the clock. I think they probably want a depth defenseman. I think they probably want some more scoring, like everyone always does. But they have the cap space to go get it without jumping through hoops like the Rangers are doing right now. So, yes, I would expect them to be active. But the thing about Carolina is they don't overpay, right? Mm. Like they are a value-oriented team. Like they will assign a value to a player. He's worth this. If they can't get him for that, they won't go get him. Like that's kind of how they operate, which is probably one of the reasons why they're very good. But I would expect them to be active in attempting to get to use some of that cap space and get better. Well, I'm going to throw a name out to you, and I don't know if Carolina is necessarily that fit for that reason, but J.T. Miller's name has now popped up in the rumor mill. Um, he's been popped up apparently as in trade talk of late. Who do you think would even be suitors there with that extension kicking in next year? Oh, boy. See, that with the extension, I mean, he had 99 points last year. Like, for all the drama that's gone on in Vancouver this year and him being around some of it, he did have nearly 100 points. Uh, So who would be a suitor? Could Dallas, who needs an uptick in offense, like they're trying to round out their Mm -hmm. second line with Sagan, they just dumped Gary Onoff. Could, like, you know, could, could Dallas, could Vegas, 
with the uncertainty of Mark Stone, could they go get him? If Mark Stone maybe, I don't know what his health is, if he's going to be back or not. Um, there's just not a lot of teams right now because a lot of teams have used their money, right? Like, you know, you could say, oh, go, he could go to Detroit. He could go to Montreal. He could go to teams that he probably wouldn't want to go to, teams that are maybe further down that could afford to get him, but I don't know if they would want him given where they are right now. And you're clearly selling low. Like, this is a guy last year at the deadline, before they dealt with this extension and got him signed up, they could have traded him for a boatload last year at the deadline. You know, picks and prospects and first-rounders, and they elected to, to re-sign him because they, they wanted to bring him back. And now they're going to trade him for almost, like, if you take the contract off our hands. Like, that's tough asset management for Vancouver. I kind of racked my brain. There's no, you know, there's no... There's no obvious uh, spot that jumps out, given that a lot of the teams that would want forwards like this have kind of addressed those needs already. Yeah, interesting. Um, With our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, right now, who else is on the market still floating around? I guess Patrick Kane aside, because we all kind of see in the tea leaves where he's going. Who else is still Mm -hmm. left out there that you think could still move the needle for for a team? um, How about the guy, Julia, who's been there for two years? <laughs> he doesn't even count anymore. He's not I'm getting like, traded. Canceling him. It's just not happening. He has a, he has, he's not going to get traded. That's the thing. He might not. <laughs> he's been, and he hasn't played for like eight games. Insane. So he's just sitting there. And then now the team that's going to get him say, okay, we're getting a guy in who's probably slightly not in game shape. He's maybe a little bit rusty. He hasn't played in three weeks. It's just, I mean, I'm all for driving a hard bargain and <laughs> good on uh, Bill Armstrong for doing so. But man, oh man, I, I is this ever going to get done? I mean, I think he would be a guy out there right now. Uh, he's not playing. That would, that would move the needle. He's, he's, a good, he's a very good player. And he's got a great value contract for another few years that would make a lot of teams pretty happy they could get it done. So, um, you know, L.A., it was almost done weeks ago when he initially sat out. We thought it was going to be L.A., but that's apparently fallen apart. Um, we thought I heard it might be Boston, but with Orloff move, that's not going to happen. Like, I don't know where he's going, but to me, that's a, a wild card because he's been out there so long, and it clearly is Arizona's not going to move him unless they get the price they want. So is it possible that he doesn't even get moved? I think it's actually it is possible. He goes the whole week without ever, even getting traded, and then what? He just shows back up on Saturday and say, okay, guys, I'm back to play? It's so strange how that one's playing out. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bizarre situation. All right, let's get to some uh, some Leafs chat. They had a couple of wins over the weekend. Good five one win over Seattle last night. Matthews potted a couple uh, mm-hmm. first time that he scored in was a four or five game. So getting off the, the little mini slump there. Would you say? And, and there's a follow up question to this, but would you say that Matthews had his best game in a while last night, Johnny? Um, I mean. Yeah, he was good, but he's, you know, he's been good. He just hasn't had, you know, generated the chances. He was good last night. Um, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, Mitch Marner helping him along as well, but, you know, I, I, I think with, Ma- with Matthews right now is that evaluating solely based on his goals is probably not the best way to evaluate him. It's easy to, you know, it's, it's obvious and it's not wrong, but I just think, you know, like I watch other games where he plays really well. He generates chances. It's great defensively but doesn't score, you're like, well, that was a pretty solid game, even though it was uncharacteristic by him because he hasn't scored so much this year. Uh, just hasn't scored as many goals, but he was good. And then that's a good thing, and we've talked on the show a lot about, like, how long do they stick with Marner, with Tavares? And I think, you know, we always said at some point they'll get back to it, uh, and maybe when they need it. Maybe they felt now with O'Reilly they gave that a bit of a run. It did work, but now it's maybe a time that Austin needs a bit of a run with Mitch Marner as well because right now Mitch is playing – 
incredibly well. Oh. I mean, like, as good, like, we know he's good, right? Like, he literally, like, I think he was on the first All-Star team last year. Like, he was the best right winger in the league. He's playing better than that right now. Like, he is unbelievably good. Offense, defense. He's not looking to score quite as much. He's uh, really facilitating for his linemates. But I wonder if Sheldon's watching this. I'm sure he is. We are. We see it. It's hard not to. You're like, you know what Austin could use? A nice, healthy run of Mitch. You know, yeah. let's get the band back together with Bunce, and here we go, the little trio that was so good last year, and get them all on fire cooking. When Willie's rolling, too, and Sheldon Keith acknowledged, like, whoever Willie plays for, it's going to work because he's being that good as well. But right now, Mitch Marner is playing so exceptionally well. Like, I think he's part of the reason that they were put back together is to get Austin Matthews going, and it worked, not surprisingly. Yeah. I completely agree with you, which is why, like, I look at last night, and I think to myself, okay, the Leafs need that Austin Matthews to show up in order to beat Tampa Bay. Like, how much mm-hmm. stock do you take in that comment? Uh, I put all of it. You couldn't right. be more right. They have no – listen, Tampa's very good, but they're not infallible. But Toronto has zero chance to get through Tampa unless their best players are the best players. Zero. Like, Nolachari can be great, and David Kemp can take defensive faceoffs. And Mark Giordano can block shots. Unless their forwards score, they're not going to beat Tampa. Unless their power play works, they're not going to beat Tampa. And so, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just like, oh, well, Mitch can be good and Willie can be good, but uh, oh, Tavares and Matthews can be quiet. No, no, like they all have to be good to beat Tampa. Now, the good news is I expect them to all be good because they're that good of players. But, yes, I am 100% on board. They need that guy and they need that version of all of them to beat Tampa. And if they get it, they probably will be favored against them. I mean, like, you know, it's, a, it's basically a toss-up series. But if those guys play well, yeah, it's probably more likely than not that Toronto wins that series. Well, the goaltending battle is interesting. Did you did this weekend and Samsonov's performances make you feel any better about what's going on? And not to say we felt bad at all, but what's going on with Matt Murray is a little bit daunting. Uh, not much of an update there, though I think he went on the road this weekend. Did, did Samsonov's performance this weekend settle your mind at all as to what's going on between the pipes for Toronto? Not really, because, I mean, I wasn't, I guess, like, I've accepted what he is, and he looks very, very good. He's a little bit unorthodox at times. Uh, but he's very good, and he's played very good for Toronto. And like, I think no matter what he does this weekend, next week, whatever, that's going to be the case. I think he's proven that enough. Um, you know, I'm worried about how much he plays because I think fatigue is an issue for Samsonov, more so than Vasilevsky. But I think the problem is, like, I can say that, and he can, he can be as good or better than Vasilevsky this year, and he virtually is, but he's not Vasilevsky, right? Like, in the playoffs, we, you know, there is that element. I don't know if it's pressure or if it's the opposition or whatever, we know Vasilevsky is one of the greatest goal centers of all time in the playoffs. We don't know anything about what Samsonov does in the playoffs. We know what he does in the regular season. It's been really good, and I have full faith that it will still be really good the rest of the year, but playoffs, um, you know, I guess he'll just have to prove it to everyone by doing it uh, when it matters more. In conversation with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, uh, even if the Leafs do add a defenseman by the deadline, which you know we're, we're all hoping that get the, they do and, and anticipating maybe a move there, but even if they do, they're still going to have to play one of Justin Hall, Mark Giordano, or Timothy Lilligren in the top four. So, Johnny, mm-hmm. rank those three as for who you trust in a top four role come playoff time. Um, yeah, like who's their partner? What's the matchup? What role are they playing? You know, what I mean, like I, I think they all are kind of interchangeable. In moments, 
um, where, you know, if it's penalty killing, it's Justin Hall is probably going to get the nod, right? If it's run a play, I think Timothy Lilgrim has been really strong the last couple of weeks and really kind of elevating his game and, and showing that he's ready to, to play a prominent role come playoff time. Um, you know, if it's, you know, intense moments or if it's uh, defending lead, maybe Mark Giordano, the veteran and kind of experienced is the guy. Like, I think they, and I bet when it comes to it, they all do play different, you know, kind of elements of that. They all kind of play top four elements throughout that series, depending on what's going on, matchups and scores and everything else. But I will say, like, I like what I'm seeing from Lilligren. I like the way his game is progressing. I like the way he's being effective. I like his physicality, his poise with the puck, um, you know, his decision-making, his ability to not lose puck battles. You know, he throws himself into every one with all he has. And, you know, it seemed like last year maybe he was kind of getting knocked down and losing a couple more than you, you, you would ideally want. He may not win every one now, but he certainly doesn't kind of lose them to the same degree. So I think he probably would be a guy that would be, I would be comfortable with playing pretty consistently in the top four in the playoffs. I think we're due for some Zio Geo love here on Leafs Lunch, just with his big night last night. He gets a goal <laughs> in his revenge mm-hmm. game, former captain of the Kraken, uh, yeah. and he breaks the block shot record, 2045. Can you just speak to what it's like to be in the room with a guy like that and how much love and respect his, his teammates must have for him? It's just a, it's a cool feat to have. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, love and respect. And, I mean, uh, this is a guy who wasn't drafted, this guy who had to go play in the KHL to earn himself a one-way deal back in Calgary, who bet on himself over and over, believed in himself, took the long road, never cut corners. We laugh about how much he wants to play and how much he wants to practice. Like, take a day off already, man. You're almost 40. Like, come on. <laughs> but, you know, he just works at it. And he's worked at it to become one of the best defense in the league. He won a Norris. Um, and now, I mean, he has helped the league so much. By coming here, by taking the contract, he's outplaying his contract by whatever, 4X, like oh, by yeah. so much. Um, and the fact that he just set the record, which is a weird record because it wasn't tracked, and who knows. But like the fact of the matter is, he throws himself in front of pucks over and over and over again, fearlessly, to help his team win. And that will always garner the respect of his teammates and around the league. He is, he is, uh, he's an important, important person in that room now. Like, you know, he's not part of the core guys who've been here for five, six, seven years. But I think his addition and his presence has become a pretty important part of the fabric of the room. Absolutely. Uh, MJ, just before we let you go, the Keandre Miller mm-hmm. situation last night in New York with Drew Doughty. Yeah. While you were on the phone with us, Keandre Miller has tweeted out a statement saying, huh? pardon me? Oh. He's got to get suspended three games, like Garner Hathaway. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not really cool. What did you think of the whole yeah. thing? He, he just tweeted out a statement saying he spoke to Drew Doughty after the game. He didn't do it on purpose. Uh, Molly Walker tweeted out something similarly this morning. Uh, just what did you take away from the situation? And, and yeah. it'd yeah, be an I interesting mean, conversation post-game. Does, does intent yeah. play a factor when it comes to the suspension here, though, do you think? I don't know. Who's going to read intent, though? Are you going to take his word for it he didn't mean to? Well, I mean, that was a yeah. pretty sizable loogie to like not mean. That's to what I mean. Buddy. It was so sizable that it's like yeah. com- it he couldn't have come up with that loogie on like, the that spot. Was, that, that was horked. That, that was, was hanging that was, there was, for a while. Yeah. So listen, like um, you know, I have no idea if he meant to do it or not. I mean, he looked at uh, watching the video. It didn't look like it was an accident. But I could be, you know, I could be totally wrong, and I will acknowledge that. But I think when you get in a scrum like that, you start letting spit like that fly around, then you put yourself at risk of it being interpreted as being on purpose because it sure as hell looked like it was on purpose. And so he could be remorseful. He could say it was an accident. And maybe Drew Doughty apparently like, was somewhat receptive to the apology. Yeah. Respect that from Drew Doughty. I don't think it matters. Gardner Hathaway got three games for the exact same thing and was 
criticized loudly for it. Now, I guess he didn't really deny that it was on purpose. Um, and I think Keandre Miller should have the same consequence. Three games and probably should be criticized pretty loudly for doing it as well. I, it's, it's gross. It's like, I don't know, biting or spitting licking. or whatever. Like, the, like, like, well, licking's gross, but it's like... Can't forget well, licking when it comes know, to tongue infractions in the NHL. Bad, but yeah, like, we don't need any of those infractions ever. So, and like, yeah. So, um, I take the, I take the... I didn't mean it with a grain of salt. Maybe true, may not, but I don't think it matters to me. Three games of standard, you spit on someone of that degree right in front of their face in a scrum, that's what you're going to get from me. Canucks also just tweeted out that uh, JT Miller out week to week with a lower body injury. So oh, lovely. That probably yeah. means he won't be traded, so he can scratch yeah. that off, off the trade <laughs> bait board. So good luck on Friday, Johnny. Not sure what you're going to have to talk about, but good luck, buddy. Should be a fun yeah. show. <laughs> We're going to need it. All right, I'll swing by and say hello. Yeah, appreciate that. We'll do that. Thanks. All right. Take care, buddy. There he goes. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Yeah, it was like legitimately, I, I don't like, did was there a memo sent out yesterday that the trade deadline was moved up? We've to moved midnight? the deadline. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yesterday was a wild day. My phone was buzzing all day. I, I missed um. Like, I missed the Barbashev trade for, like, 30 minutes last night because I was looking at so many other things that were happening. Oh, I know. The Barbashev trade and and, and uh, Gurionov getting dealt to Montreal for Dodonov at 50%. Like, there was just a, a bunch of deals in the morning, and they just filtered throughout the day. Then the Meyer trade kind of picked up, and then that finally got announced. And then we saw the Tanner Janot bomb drop late into the night. Man. It was uh, yeah. Tanner Janot is kind of an interesting – well, he's not kind of an interesting one. He's – that was a crazy return. I, I get the the deal that he's on, the sweetheart deal, and, and the possibility of extension makes it more attractive. Like, you have to pay a premium for that sort of thing. Yeah. I couldn't stop thinking because Tanner Janot is a guy that would come to Toronto and, like, get the Wendell Clark statue treatment pretty soon. Like, people would love Tanner Janot in Toronto yeah, the way are. that – like, it's Michael Bunting on another level. If Kyle Dubas paid that for Tanner Janot, there oh, would be fires in the streets eviscerated. right now. He would be eviscerated. Fires in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to MJ's point and, and to your point, A.B., like, Brisbane's just kind of earned that, earned the trust from the fan base. Like, no other GM in the league could have made that deal yesterday and gotten, not gotten away with it, but yeah, gotten away with it without intense ridicule and, and questions. Yeah, completely agree with that one. Uh, let's get back into last night's game. We haven't had a chance to break it down fully, so we'll do that. It was a nice, tidy 5-1 win over Seattle. So we got Stay or Go coming up on the other side. We got uh, Bonesy joining us in the 1 o'clock hour as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Desherios and Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. I want you to stay. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake, avoid penalties, and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Before we get into last night's game for Stay or Go, one thing that will be going from my diet for the next little while, alcohol. 
Let me I tell don't you. believe that no. for a second. I mean, I... Okay, we I, do have to get into Friday Until I go on vacation. Until I'm on vacation, Which not is in single... when? Two weeks. You go on vacation in l- less than two weeks. I so... think it's literally like eight or nine days or something <laughs> like that. But until then, until then, I'm sworn off. Not even a single, not even a single beer. Not nothing. Right. Between now, I, I can't. I cannot. Okay. I was so watching a actually... TV show. Okay, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I said I was watching a TV show Saturday, and they were like doing shots of whatever they were doing, and my uh, stomach turned, just turned, just watching it. You know, like when you're that hungover and you see people drinking, you're just like, I can't, I can't do it. Oh. Well, was... you have to give the context. So, yeah. the Koliakovo twin brothers threw their 40th birthday party bash on Friday night, and it just looked like one of the most electric things that's ever happened. But I have like so. I'll tell you, I'll tell the group where I was. Frankie Crotto and I were working a CHL game, a late, a 10.30 West Coast, Prince George, Vancouver, CHL game on Friday night. So him and I are sitting next to one another at the desk, just watching Instagram stories as though they are feature-length films, <laughs> trying to dissect every single detail from the, from the Instagram stories because we had such bad FOMO. Fear of missing out. <laughs> we wanted to be there so bad. The CHL game was great. It was a good game. But... We had such bad FOMO, especially when when we were seeing the Al's brother dancing sensation. Like you were the <laughs> star of the party. Like it was Carlos. It was it was like it was like someone proposed at Carlos' wedding. Like it was Carlo and Pablo's birthday, but you were the star. It was like you were the shining star. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> I I like to bust a move. Like that's you what I'm move, like when I'm, at, when I'm at weddings. I'm at wed- and that honestly, it felt like a wedding. Like that was that was a birthday party that felt like a wedding. It was like and you have like of meals and food and drinks and open bars and everything. But the full yeah. Italian uncle groove. Like that's what it is, but it's 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 got a little bit more pizzazz to it. But it's the way your smoothest Italian uncle gives her at a wedding. After yeah, it's Savino. it's 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 not you know the greatest dances, but like I have rhythm at least, so it's not completely out of pocket. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and and you know Andy Petrillo was there, so yep. Steph was there as well, and she took a, a nice video, and she's like Leafs lunch up pass meets Leafs lunch up present on the dance floor. And so cute. It was a good time. Uh, it was a good time to. Uh, well, I haven't seen Andy in, in forever, so it was nice to uh, to see her and, and everybody else. And yeah, it was it was a hell of a party that Coco threw Coco and Paula. So it was uh, that was a good one. Um, was that your first crowd surfing experience? Oh God, yes. <laughs> Tell me yeah. more about that. Tell me about the moment that oh, your entire geez. body left Earth. I don't know how it happened or why it happened. To be honest with you, I just remember I was on my. Liam two woke feet. me up on Saturday morning <laughs> to show me that video. He's like, "You got to see this." Al's brother was crowd surfing <laughs> last night, and we missed it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it might still be. I think Car- Carlo Caliacvo, I believe, tweeted it out. So if you want to go watch the the video it's on his twitter account um so I'll, literally i just remember at one point just i was on my two feet and dancing away and then next thing i know i'm being grabbed by carlo and all of his woodbridge goon friends oh my and being God. thrown up into the air as if it was my wedding like it was insane i'm just like whoa what is going on hands up i i don't know what was happening it was a it was a wild ride and carlo sent me the long form video like a longer form video of it last night and afterwards there's a lot of people 
that were very much winded after it, and they're like holding their shoulder and their backs. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they're feeling the next day or today, even, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they weren't feeling feeling great about that. Whoever took yeah. part, so I apologize. But to be honest, I mean, y'all did it to me, so <laughs> that's kind of on you. Anyways, yeah. JC, let, let, let's get into last night's game. Wait a second, wait a second. One more thing. So Saturday okay. was a battle? Oh, was it ever a battle? I'm who so was battling. the number my, one my person? Who had very... the worst battle, do you think, on Saturday of the TSN crew? I mean, probably me. Like, <laughs> I, I, out of everybody who I've talked to, definitely me. Like, I was speaking with, with Coco. He said he had a, a headache and... There's a couple headaches going around, but I, I had the full experience, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Not the full IV drip treatment? Yeah, I wish I had IV. I wish I had IV on me, to be honest with you. I needed it. I definitely sh- I needed that stuff. Oh, God. Okay, to the Leafs. All right. 5-1. Oh, Big with Kraken. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. And I was intrigued to see how this game would go. That game against the Wild on Friday was such a Minnesota Wild-esque game, and, and the Willie OT winner was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, but it was a real grind of a game. Like, the game felt long, the game felt defensive, like it was a 2-1 overtime win, so it felt like that. Last night, Seattle felt loose, it felt like the Leafs were buzzing, and like, what stood out to you the most? The thing that stood out to me the most, the biggest day, is Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews, looking like Austin Matthews, getting two goals, and him and Mitch having their little magical connection going. Do you think they have, like, wrestling matches in the parking lot now to decide who gets to play with Mitch Marner? <laughs> like, who's going to get to play with Mitch Marner? <laughs> because they're for, how can they not be fighting over it? Well, like, I was listening to uh, I was listening to Craig on, on SC last night. He was with Jay, and he said, Marner's a straw that serves the drink. And honestly, he is. Like, it, Hyman used to be the little fixer elixir out there, and since he's gone, someone's had to take that mantle, and it looks like Mitch Marner's really the guy who just gets everybody going. Like, he's he's legitimately having an MVP season. Like, yeah. I, I think he deserves to be in that conversation. I'm not being hyperbolic either. The way that he's playing right now is just absolutely, it's insane. It's, he's just playing out of his mind. I think he's playing the best hockey that we've ever seen, and he's elevating everyone he plays with, and he plays a 200-foot game. Like, he's out there last night blocking shots. He's out there handing sticks to people when they break to hand it to his defense. Like, that's just high IQ. To go along with the exhilarating plays he's making to get Lilligren the puck, to get the puck over to, to Matthews for that second goal. Like, he's putting a little bit of extra lift on, on his passes to make sure he sauces them over and puts them perfectly. Like, it's honestly just incredible what he's doing right now. The skill and his brain is just, um, you know, it's it's on display every single night. So that top-line dominance for me was was a stay. Like, that line, give them a little bit of a run. Let's make sure that we get Austin Matthews, get that confidence back in him. Not to say that he needs Marner to be who he is, but let's get that confidence back. I think last night he even said himself, um, you know, scoring his first goal. I think we have that audio, actually, Nick. If we could play that, um, him and kind of how his mindset is after scoring his first goal in a while. It always feels good to see it go in. I mean, uh, I can't lie. So, um you know, I think uh, you know when it's not going in. Sometimes it's easy. Uh, you know, you try not to get discouraged, but it's uh, it's hard hard not to sometimes. But uh, I think you, know, you see it go in. I think you just get a little extra pep in your step. And um, you know, I thought tonight, uh, just as a line, as a team, you know, after we gave up the first goal, I thought we really just dialed in our game. Yeah, exactly. So you know, getting that goal, 
get that uh, get that confidence back in his game, get that pep back in his step, and hopefully down the stretch we can we can kind of see this the the same Austin Matthews we saw a year ago. Because as Johnny said, no more than twenty minutes ago, the Leafs need that Austin Matthews to win the playoffs, and that's the guy who needs to get going for this team to have success this year. We saw some good strides last night that may hopefully catapult that into happening. Yeah, like the depth, the depth scoring they get occasionally is nice. Lilligren getting a couple assists every now and then is nice. It's cool to get chip in from, from guys who aren't the guys yep. making $10, $11 million. You need it. You need it. You need it. You need it. But, but what you really need is Austin Matthews to have like – we've talked about this before, AB. Austin Matthews, n- nobody on the Leafs has – JT kind of has one with the Islanders. But nobody on the Leafs has a signature playoff performance. And great, great players – all have signature postseason performances. And I, I know they didn't win last year, but McDavid got his last year. Dreisaitl got yep. – like, that was a signature postseason performance. There's, those, that team had no business being where they were, and yet they were because those two guys went legend. You want to know how lackluster the Maple Leafs postseason performance has been? Do you know who's considered a playoff performer on this team? Let me guess at who you're going to say. Kerfoot? Alex Kerfoot is considered a playoff performer because he has been one of the better players on this team. That's not a good thing, Julia. It's not a good thing. Um, Not to say that that's going to happen again this year. We did see both those guys. They did start to come alive and show signs last year. Like Marner finally got a, you know, finally got a goal after going, what was it, 18 straight without a a goal in the playoffs. So I I think we'll see it. And the way that he's playing right now, and it's been all year from pillar to post, we've seen this from Marner. So I fully expect for him to play this way. I I don't think he's going to, he's going to tail off in the playoffs when things get tough. Like he's figured out a way to get past that. So he's a guy I'm expecting to be dominant along with Austin Matthews and William Nylander, and John Tavares, and now Ryan O'Reilly. They need them all, though, to get past this team. Um, and, you know, we saw some really good things out of O'Reilly last night, too, like to stick with the stays. Yeah. Winning net front battles is is huge, and that's what O'Reilly can bring to this team, providing screens. You saw the one on the on the Geo goal. Just providing a screen in front of the goalie, he's battling in front of the net. Bunting had a couple of rebound looks. He was battling in front of the net. Tavares does a good job of that. Defensively, I thought that there were some good net front battles as well. Timothy Lilligren did a good job tying up some sticks in tight. Like, Samsonov, I thought, like, I don't want to say it was a go, but I thought he gave up a little bit too many rebounds. thought that his rebound control maybe was a little suspect last night. But the Maple Leafs did a good job of tying up sticks and not allowing those second opportunities in tight. Like, Berniers had a really good chance in tight, especially on the power play on, yeah. in the second period there. But they did a good job of tying up the sticks and not allowing those guys to get those second looks that probably would have resulted in goals. So winning those net front battles, both on the offensive and defensive side, and, like, that's a good team in Seattle. Like, they're a good team, and that's they pride themselves on working hard. And I thought the Maple Leafs did a good job of working hard you can see that with how they played in front of the net and protecting the paint and winning those those battles. Yeah, the in front of the net thing is, is very promising. It's something I feel like we were excited about when the Leafs acquired O'Reilly. It's just a stick in front of the net and how annoying he is in front of the net. And, and that's like kind oh, of and, and on, on like defending the rush, he has such a pesky stick. True. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he's... the best teams... in the league, honestly, oh, in terms it's... of just like his active stick. It's got to be so annoying trying to gain entry when you're... <laughs> when you're playing against Ryan O'Reilly, because he just doesn't let you do that cleanly. Like yeah. I, I don't, I, I might have to go and try and dig up the stats. Maybe I'll text Mike Kelly and figure it out. But I'd be curious to see what like the zone entry denial rate is 
uh, for Ryan O'Reilly and like where he is among centers in in the National Hockey League because I bet it'd be up at the top because it's very hard to gain the zone when that guy's on the ice and in position because he's just so aggressive and active with that stick. Um, any anything that you want to see go from last night? Like it wasn't an overly terrible game. The start was a little sloppy. They were yeah, down one nothing. Going down early, so but... early was kind of lame. Like going down. Like I look over and they're down one nothing is always annoying, but. It's hard to really fault them on that when when they pulled it together and ended up having a, a pretty complete performance. Did anything anything bother you particularly? That's that's really it. But it's not that it bothered me. It's just you know let's it, you, you sloppy start. You're down. Just clean it up, right? Let's 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 start at puck drop. Not five minutes in, but yeah. luckily uh, you know Samsov played really really well, and and that's something else that we could talk about. His stellar play that can stay and continue, and the Leafs are going to need that, especially with the uncertainty around uh, around Matt Murray. Um, but, you know, it, it could have been a lot closer game if it wasn't for Samsonov. Like, there were times throughout that game, there were stretches, especially on the power play, where Seattle did get some things going, and yeah. Samsonov made some big-time saves. He was aggressive, and he challenged shooters. I thought he was really good last night as well. So maybe don't give up as much uh, in the defensive end, because uh, I thought that they I think there was like 18 slot shots, maybe 20 slot shots, I, I think I read on uh, Samsonov last night. So, you know, cut cut on that a little bit, cut down on that a little. Outside of that, though, that was a pretty good performance out of Toronto against uh, a, a playoff team like Seattle. Yep. Agreed, A.B. All right. So I think we got we to gotta go. On the other side, we'll take a look at some teams who may be under a little bit of pressure to make some deals. A lot of trades have already gone down, but there's still some that need to be made. So we'll look at some teams uh, that will be under pressure the next week. Joe Bowen also going to join us at 105. I'm Mike DiCepano with Julie Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect str- gift for any occasion. Julie Tashiri, Mike DiStefano with you. We'll have Joe Bowen, the voice of the Maple Leafs, on in the next uh, 10 minutes here in round 105. But for now, AB, we're in the stretch run here. We talk about the trade deadline for like two months, three months out, and, and now we're just five days away. It was a wild weekend at which we we thought some GMs were confused and thinking that maybe the the trade deadline was last <laughs> night but still some dominoes to fall before before Friday. So let's take a look at a little bit of a, a pressure list. Who's feeling the heat this week when it comes to having to make a move? Well, if you look at what's going on in the Eastern Conference, I think most of the top teams have have made a move, right? You saw Boston bring in Orlov, we saw Tampa bring in Tanner Janot. The Leafs brought in Ryan O'Reilly and Achari. And then obviously, I love how Rangers. we're saying those trades in the same breath. Like, yeah, Patrick Kane, Orlov, Ryan O'Reilly, um, Tanner Janot. <laughs> Tanner Janot. What on God's well, green mean, earth is that? That's his signature move. But we can't question it. I know we can't question it. I know, hilarious. but it's it's a good it's a good pickup by them. <laughs> but uh, you know, Myers in 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 New Jersey, and then obviously Tarasenko and. Probably Patrick Kane's going to end up in, in New York. So the one team that we haven't mentioned to make a big move yet is the Carolina Hurricanes. And they're up there with those teams in terms of cup contenders in the East. You've got to think that they see what's going on around this, around this conference and think to themselves, okay, 
we, we need to make a move here now. Like, everyone else just got better. We need to go, and we got to respond at some point. So I think they're one of the teams that I would say are probably – Pretty pressured at this point to get something done to bring in a, a a pretty a pretty big piece and you know MJ noted earlier that they don't have that Pacioretty cat or that they have the cap space now True. with Pacioretty going down so they can make a pretty sizable deal and bring someone in um, and bring in a pretty good piece to their team. I think if they can get like a second line center of some kind like that would that'd be a great deal. I don't I don't know if. I, I have one in mind, is. but Me neither. yeah, like I don't know exactly what Carolina needs. Like I know that they've got a little bit of a quest goalie situation with with Freddie Anderson and his injuries, but um, your buddy Kachetkov uh, Kachetkov has yeah, stepped up and when times get dire. I know. What if he goes down again? I don't know. I just don't know what Carolina is like. What they're missing right now is is the thing that kind of weirds me out about them i know they need to do yeah. something because now they're on the pressure list and everybody else in the east has made a move but i just don't know what their perfect move is yeah uh, me either and but. and then there's the west ab where jack johnson is is the major trade that's gone down in that conference uh the the colorado avalanche require him who's on the clock in the west so i guess the oilers is is the team that had we've all been waiting for them to acquire a defenseman and we just continue to wait to do that Probably, like you just look at them, they took such a big step last year by getting to the conference final. And, you know, this year I think they still have an opportunity. Like, whenever you have two top five players in the NHL on your team and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I think you're, you're going to have a chance to, to do good things. But they got to shore up that blue line because they're just giving up too much and, and they're not getting bailed out enough by their goaltending. So, you know, I don't think they can really make their goaltending much better. So, the best thing you can do next to that is improving their their blue line um i think darren jagger tweeted this morning that he's uh sources are saying that the oilers and predators are having discussions on matthias ekholm and that would be a big big get i think for the edmonton oilers he's kind of a a perfect fit and exactly what i think edmonton needs so they're certainly a, a team that i would say should be on this list the leafs the leafs now are they on this list though that's the question after seeing what everyone else did on Sunday and how much better the East got, is Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari enough, or is there now pressure to go out and make a, a reactionary move to what we saw go down this week? I don't know. Yeah. Well, would it even be reactionary? Because before this weekend happened, you and I were sitting here on all last week. Like as soon as, It felt yeah, like as soon fair. as the Ryan O'Reilly deal happened last Friday, uh, we were all like, okay, what next? The whole market. Yeah. This huge deal happens. The whole market's like, where's our defenseman banging on the table with their forks and their <laughs> knives? Please bring us our defenseman. So I don't know if I, I feel like we should call it reactionary because I think that Kyle Dubas, like, and you think this too. We've talked about it before. I, I don't think he was done after yeah. after Charlie. Like, I'm still expecting, I, I think it, a defenseman, I feel really comfortable now saying, I think I'm expecting a defenseman to land in the blue and white land before the trade deadline on Friday. Yeah, I think maybe what 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 I was getting at more so maybe is is there's more pressure now than there was on Wednesday of last week just after what we saw go down with everyone else in the division. I still thought they needed to add, but now it's like yeah. okay, now you really really need to add cuz now everyone else got that much better. So we'll see. We'll uh we'll see what what ends up coming of it just a few more days. Until trade deadline, uh, Duffy, another guy, maybe a little honorable mention. 
he's going to yeah. have a lot of pressure because he's got a lot of time to fill come Seriously. Friday because there's not many names still left out on the board. So we'll see what uh, what comes of it. All right, on the other side, Joe Bowen, Bonesy, voice of the Maple Leafs, will join us uh, at 105, and we got uh, what's in the group chat still to come at 130. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Sherry. Hour 2 of Leafs Lunch coming up next.